welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey there, it's been a while. Thank you so much for your patience. When I interviewed Kellen Barfield back in December, the topic of strategy and tactics came up and I knew this episode was coming. So today we have that strategy episode. I'll be talking to Liz Ingle about aligning your marketing strategy with your business strategy and why that's so important, even though it seems obvious, it apparently doesn't happen all the time. And we'll also talk about managing up in this situation so that there's clarity around both of those strategies, and then also uh, details like when you might need a micro or a macro strategy, depending on the size of your audience. So let's jump into it. Liz Ingle is the founder of Centric Marketing Strategy and Consulting. And today we're going to talk about marketing strategy, how that relates not only to tactics, but to overall business strategy. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So uh, as marketers, we're often living in this world of tactics that you may have told me that. I have <laughs> told this from our notes. But, um, and we're always thinking about what we need to do to get more leads or build awareness and so on. And, um, but those things need to come from a strategy. Let's start by talking about the difference between a business strategy, the marketing strategy, and then the tactics. Just lay that out for us. Traditionally, we've been looking at these as three separate components, and they are three separate components. You typically have a business strategy, which has been owned by sales or a leader in the company, the CEO, and that strategy is typically developed before a marketing strategy, and it takes into account things like the mission, the vision, goals, KPIs, an action plan. You know, are you going to grow through acquisition? Are you going to be divesting a business unit? Those types of things, right? Whereas a marketing strategy would be more likely owned by a marketing leader, a CMO, or a marketing department, depending on the size of the company, and would really contain things like product positioning, target market, brand story, um, unique selling points, um, competitive information, and then your tactics really roll out of the combination of those two elements. And you kind of want to think of them like the tools in your arsenal that help you reach that target market and drive results. Yeah, it makes total sense. I'm always, and this is really the focus of this. So first of all, this came up on a podcast. I can't remember which one specifically. I think it was with Kellen Barfield talking about strategy and tactics. And I mentioned that, you know, you and I were going to have a conversation and I'm always continually trying to refine my understanding and ability to explain what a strategy is. So one of my mentors always said, it's how we win. That was the simplest thing. Like, And not in the sense of, you know, we need to send emails or, you know, run more ads, but what are our advantages and disadvantages? And so where do we attack the marketplace to, to do that? And that, lines up with positioning and brand story and so on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it's how we win. That's definitely part of it. Um, I, w- I wonder if he got it from the book Playing to Win, um, which is a good strategy book. It's it's not new by any means. It's um, I think it was out in 2013, but um, it is definitely how you win. But I think I like to describe it also as a strategy is there to guide you, um, to allow you to make deliberate choices to achieve the outcomes that you want, right? Um, so in my 
career, I've had a number of people, when you start talking to them about marketing strategy, they get tense and they get nervous because they feel like you're going to put these handcuffs on them. And they either don't understand what a marketing strategy is supposed to do, or they're used to being in this more reactionary state. And really, you know, like I was just saying, a good strategy is there and in place to help guide you when the market conditions change, that you can make a deliberate decision that you know is still going to get you to the outcome that you want at the end. It's not there to keep you from moving, although it can be used as a crutch at times. Right. Uh, When you say guidance and handcuffs and I don't think this is a handcuff but it seems to me that an important element of strategy is often like here are the things we're not doing absolutely right? that and that's the deliberate choice right so that's um, in my business I could choose to offer all things marketing including you know total pay-per-click campaigns but I'm choosing to not play in that arena that is not my Um, strength. That's not where I want to win. um, And that's not where I think I'm going to achieve the best results. And so I'm making a choice to not be all things to everyone. And you have to really analyze your business and decide what you want to be and what you don't want to be. Right. Because for many companies, they have a product and they would say, well, this could be used by, you know, this group and that group and the other group, (laughs) but that doesn't make sense necessarily to try to market to all of them for many different reasons. Exactly. Well, and the other thing you could do with that is if it can be used across different applications, determine which ones are going to be your most fruitful and own that space. And then strategically think about, okay, where does the next step for expansion come in once we've gained the market share and we own that space? Where can we go to next? And that's a little bit more of a deliberate way of looking at things rather than just trying to go do all of it at the same time because there would be a lot of waste. Yes. And I've, I've seen other companies do that or talk about and say, or have their marketers explain to their sales team or whomever, we're going to market to this group. That doesn't mean we won't sell to that group if someone finds us. Exactly. That, that our is very story true. right now, anyway, is focused on this group. And certainly other people will say, oh, that looks like something I could use, even if it wasn't someone we were targeting. Exactly. So... Talk about, so you're doing strategy for different companies. Talk about the disconnects that as a marketing practitioner that you see when working with companies, the disconnects, I assume, between their business and their marketing strategy or their strategy and their tactics. Sure. So I, you know, over the course of nearly 20 years, I've seen a lot of uh, disconnects. And one of the most common is that one where I was talking about earlier, where they feel like a a strategy is really going to hold them back from being agile in the marketplace. And um, that is really probably the most common. The other pieces are, um, you know, thinking that marketing is and marketing strategy are fully support roles. Whereas if you can build your business strategy and your marketing strategy uh, in tandem together, what you're going to end up with is a much more succinct and well-fit product at the end. Because when you build your business strategy or your business plan separate from your marketing strategy and your marketing plan, and you're just conveying information via documents and and hearsay or telephone, you leave a lot of room for gaps in communication. And then when those gaps are there, marketing departments then have to make assumptions to fill those gaps, you know, and oftentimes marketers will try and get another meeting to get direct input 
for that, but it's not always possible. So again, um, when you have those two working in tandem, your output is going to be much stronger. Or marketers fill in the gaps, or I guess another disconnect is, um, you know, the possibility, for example, and you probably have better examples than this, but creating a number of leads, for example, that you can't even follow up on. Like you do something in such a way that you don't have the capacity to either fulfill the product or follow up with people and then you've made a bad impression in some way. Absolutely. And um, I mean, that does go back to the process for marketing strategy and business strategy. I think one of the biggest pieces, if you develop a strategy of how you're going to market, how you're going to win, you also need to look at your internal and external systems that you have in place. Um, Are your marketing and business chain of commands for approvals and processes set up appropriately to allow that strategy to work? Because if you don't, and you could have the best strategy in the world, but if your systems and your teams are not enabled for success, meaning you haven't looked down the the road into the rest of the ecosystem to make sure that everything's working, then you are, you're shooting yourself in the foot and you could lose leads the very first time you get them because the you know first impression was not up to par with what they expected for your brand. Right. So... Um Sometimes I think you and I talked before and sometimes it's a matter of marketers or other people having to manage up because executives might have a big vision of something and, you know, without going through all the effort or however you would describe it to bring the marketing and business strategies together and kind of leaving it to the marketing team, then there can be some problems and it's helpful to have the marketing leaders sort of educate the executives on what needs to happen. How, how do they do that? Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's something that even uh, a seasoned professional has to constantly keep learning and refining their skills at because no two businesses are alike, no two leaders are alike, and no two situations are alike. And so you constantly need to be aware of the fact that you need to manage up. And if I was to to make any kind of recommendations um, to people who are looking for ways to manage up is, you know, really get to know who has the most influence in your business and in the arena that your department plays in um, and understand, you know, what makes them tick, what's important to them, understand why uh, they have the ability to influence. Is it budget? Um, Is it that they have marketing um, experience? And see if you can create advocates in them and build relationships. So you don't want to do this in an inauthentic way. um, But knowing who has influence, building the relationships, and then being able to talk to them and explain um, your story ahead of time even um, can help in managing up. And the other piece is, you know, your own individual leader, when you're starting in a role and you're going to be responsible for marketing planning, marketing strategy, um, letting them know that you want to be successful in this and asking them for your help and telling them, this is what I feel I need to be successful and lay it out. And, you know, nine times out of 10, when you ask for someone's help, they're not going to say no, they're going to feel valued because you want to include them and they'll feel like they're 
being able to help you. And the other piece is evangelize. Um, you know, if you can evangelize what you've been doing in marketing and you can show them successes, you can share learnings from failures or maybe things that didn't pan out just right. Um, the more that you can kind of socialize that ahead of time, when you go to present something new, they'll be used to hearing from you. They'll be used to seeing how you present information and compute it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And the whole evangelizing thing is something I think that's a whole topic for another episode. But um, <laughs> I think without going over the top, touting your successes or evangelizing even the plan that you have and telling people why you're excited about it or why you think it's going to work and making sure everybody understands that. Not just, hey, we're going to do this, but here's why we're going to do this particular thing. Uh, the very same mentor, Taia Ergeta, who was one of my first guests on the podcast, who said, this is how we win. She gave me some advice once and you inspired me to, you made me remember it just oh, now. Good. <laughs> she said, call your shots. In other words, like, um, like if you were playing pool or if you were Babe Ruth standing at the plate and pointing <laughs> to right field or whatever it is, like letting people know this is my intent. This is what I'm going to do. Yes. Yes. And, um, and there, there's value in that. And then following through, of course, and you get it done. I mean, there's huge value for you, not to mention the company. Absolutely. I mean, I, that actually spurs something that I, thinking about when I was working on the media side, um, you know, I had a, a mentor and I wanted to bring this, you know, marketing 360 um, planning workshop that I had been doing in the past. I wanted to bring it in-house to the department and start doing it for some of our larger clients. And, you know, I basically said, you know, I need to grow. I want to feel useful. And I think this could really benefit the company. I need your help. Let's do this. And, um, you know, he was very much willing and able to, to help me get that off the ground there. I'm so glad you mentioned uh, the Marketing 360 session. <laughs> so talk a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this is a session that I facilitate to really try and bring together the different departments within a company and get them out of their shells for how they think on a day-to-day -day basis and do business strategy and marketing strategy together in one and help kickstart and get some creative juices flowing. And it's a very creative collaborative format. And um, it takes people off guard a little bit, right? Because you, at times I've brought together people from the sales department and the customer service department and then the digital marketing department and then the owners or the CEOs. And, you know, it can be a little little unnerving because I think people tend to be a little bit more defensive when they're coming to this big group meeting, like they're all going to have to defend their turf. And really, this session is about breaking down walls and helping to spur the collaboration between them. And so uh, that's an area that I just find absolutely fun to, to facilitate and do and watch people kind of get that aha moment as they're going through it. So what kinds of things are you looking for when you're doing that? What what does that look like to someone who's sitting there and with all their colleagues from other departments? Uh, so the biggest um, thing, one, you need to have a client that's willing to, to commit upfront um, because it is a time commitment um, and a resource commitment because it's usually takes between two hours to three hours, depending on the client, the interactivity. And then, um, you know, I'm asking for 
people from the marketing team, the sales team, customer service, you know, leadership. And so there's a big resource commitment, right? And um, so you really want the people who are uh, setting up the the workshop to have buy-in from the heads of the company and you have buy-in to make this commitment and investment in the company. So that's the first thing. And the other part is a willingness to share. So I look for clients who are willing to share and let me behind the curtains before the session because there's a lot of prep work that goes into it, looking at um, their past data and information that they have on the company. And that type of information helps me build the framework for the session because each session is pretty much customized to the needs of that business. And then that data is also used to inform the participants in the session itself. And um, the reason that's important, I hosted one of these one time and um, the owner, the digital marketing and the salesperson were there and they brought data and they all knew the data, right? Everyone knew it wasn't any surprise to them contrast that to a different session that I did with a different client. And, you know, there were uh, customer service team was also in that one. And there was data there and they're like, hey, let me see that. I, I've never even seen this information. Where did this come from? And so um, it, it's really about bringing people together and having everyone working from the same starting point. They're all going to look at it a little differently, but together you can get those really diverse, creative um ideas that are going to drive a strategy that really helps to differentiate in the market. And I'm sure it helps to have, as you say, all that data and everybody with different from different groups in the room and then have ideas about, oh gosh, if I knew that, then here's what I know that can I can contribute that will make this whole process better. And if everybody's working from the same absolutely same sheet. Yeah. And the other piece that's good about this is, you know, having a third party come in and do this that isn't, you know, pro one department over the other and just, you know, being Switzerland pretty much and being able to get people comfortable with sharing and you know sticking their necks out there a little bit. You and I talked before about the importance of audience strategy and the nuances of targeting. So I'm not clear what you mean by that. Look, explain that. Sure. Um, so when I talk about the difference between um, having an audience strategy and the nuances of, of strategy when targeting audiences, I'm really talking about, um, you know, as a business, you need to look at if having a larger more segmented audience strategy is right for your business where you're looking at larger sets of aggregated information versus having a more uh, individualistic audience strategy that's more micro in focus. And so if you want to think of it this way, um, you can think about uh, a micro focused audience strategy might be one where it's focusing more on the one to one or customized aspects of marketing. And if you look at that in play, um, you could look at that as um, if you are a company that makes assays, custom assays, you probably want to use a more customized um, micro strategy because your audience is probably going to be a lot smaller, more niche, and they're going to be harder to reach. And that strategy will drive and dictate what channels and tactics you use to reach these people down the road versus if you are a VWR, you can go through a lot of different channels that are more broad because you have a wider audience that you're trying to capture, right? And so you can think of that also like big box store versus um, somebody that's going down to like a, a GNC, right? Yes. Got it. 
So really it's the sort of, I don't know if you'd say dynamics of the audience, but the characteristics of the audience and... I, yeah, I would say characteristics, but I would also say that, you know, when you, if you layer on, like a lot of people are, if you build a persona, um, you're getting more in the head and into that uh, profile of that individual person, but you got to layer on mo much more individual information to really get down because you're working with smaller subsets. So a persona can still be built to, to deal with a, a larger aggregate audience. Um, but if you build a persona for a sample size of 100 to 200 customers, then you're starting to get into that micro, more individualistic um, marketing, right? Right. So can you give me an example, just so I can think more clearly about it, of some component of a business strategy and an example of a marketing strategy and then, of course, tactics we can take from there, like what you might do given the first two. Uh, sure. So um, let me go back. I, um, I'd i love to give you an example of a business strategy and a marketing strategy. So I'll use one of my current clients as an example. They're offering um, a B2B technology service. And um, prior to me getting there with them, uh, they had decided that they were going to only play in the B2B space in telecommunications. And they have the ability to determine that they want to go into the residential space as well, but they decided as a business strategy that they were going to stay in the B2B space uh, because it requires more expertise. That's where they were founded in and that's what they know that they're good at and they can deliver. Can they deliver residential? Absolutely. But they're choosing to win in the space and they're choosing to stay in this space. And then as a marketing strategy, what we did is we built on that and we started to identify areas of opportunities where their competitors were weaker in that area of expertise um, from both a reputation and a service opportunity or service standpoint, excuse me. And, um, you know, we built out our marketing according to that. And so we really started to build a marketing plan, positioning them as the business experts. Um, that's the area that they wanted to stay in. And then the marketing strategy was to win as the experts. And when you think about expertise, you don't often think of low cost leader. You don't think of the lowest price. You, you think of a premium because you're paying for that expert. And so that really was used to dictate um, the, the pricing component for them as well. Makes total sense. Um, and, th and that's a great example. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. And here's where, you know, one, you, as you said, the business strategy is where can we provide the most value? And then that translates down the road into premium pricing because that's what they're known for. And they can legitimately position themselves that way. Whereas you can imagine they go into the residential market the prices are probably, I imagine, much lower just naturally. And, and much more transactional, whereas, you know, for the business side of things, it's um, much more of a partnership in a longer term. Exactly. But when you put yourself in that residential spot, then people look at you like, well, you're whatever, a low cost provider. You, you know, <laughs> you do this a thousand times a day or whatever it is. And, 
more commodity-like. Absolutely. And that affects those systems that we were talking about earlier, right? So if you choose to play in that space, then you have to be staffed differently to account for the volume in and then also be able to manage the volume out in churn because those contracts tend to be shorter. So it has a lot of decisions down the line, um, not only in marketing, but across the, the business. Ah, those are great examples. That really helped me, you know, sort of see how all of it ties together. So uh, this has been great. Liz Engel, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me and explain the difference between strategy and tactics and business strategy and marketing strategy and provide those examples so people are thinking about all these things together. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Hey, in case you didn't know, I'm also hosting a podcast for the San Diego Biotech Network called The Buzz. And even if you're not in San Diego, you might find at least some of those episodes interesting. Sometimes it's about science. Sometimes I'm talking to CEOs of biotech companies or other entrepreneurs in that community. So I encourage you to give it a listen. As always, if you like this podcast, please tell two colleagues. It's very much appreciated. And I will be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye.